This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, this is Megan Rapino, and I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Blue Wire. The Arizona Cardinals select Kyler Murray. And the 2019 Offense Rookie of the Year is... Calamar. This year's most valuable player, Lamar Jackson. Jackson takes it himself. Look at him turn back and forth. Oh! He broke his ankles. He is Houdini. Touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. Chiefs are Super Bowl champions here in Miami. All right, guys, welcome back to the Establish the Past podcast presented by Clutch Points. I am your host, Blake Lovell. With me is my co-host, Dylan Reagan, and uh, we are rolling on through our uh, burning question series for every team in the NFL, and uh, we are now to the AFC North. Uh, we took a, a bit of a break as we discussed uh, the Super Bowl matchups in the previous episode, but now... Uh, we're going to wrap up here as we roll through uh, more of the divisions in the NFL and uh, turning our focus to the AFC North. And uh, Dylan, we got to decide here before we started. We said, are we going to do the AFC North first or are we going to do the AFC South first? And um, I said I wanted a little bit more of an opportunity to really think hard into what was I was going to say negatively about the Titans. Uh, so we decided to go ahead and go uh, with the AFC North. But uh, either way, I think you've got uh, some pretty intriguing uh, storylines in the AFC North this year. And uh, certainly, we said this before we started recording, um, and we've actually got all four of these teams have, have got some pretty significant questions, I think, and which mm-hmm. may be a little surprising. We considered the Ravens uh, were the best team in the league last year in the regular season. But uh, it is pretty interesting to kind of see where the AFC North is at right now. Yeah, considering we're the official podcast of the AFC South, it's only <laughs> fitting that we save them for the last, at least yeah. out of the AFC divisions that we are covering. But no, yeah, the NFC North, or sorry, the AFC North also really intriguing, like you said. These these questions, we had some more specific ones on the earlier episodes of the series. These ones are a little bit more broad, I guess. I, there's just a lot of things overall over kind of scoping themes for these teams that uh, we felt were better to cover than just such a specific question because one specific Thing that these teams are working on isn't really the whole picture and i think this does a better job kind of looking you know evaluating where these teams are at and what they're going to do this season but a lot of uh, in terms of our expectations i mean outside of the ravens which i mean we'll talk about them a bit here but overall there's a lot of 
things like it could really swing in a lot of different directions for a lot of these teams uh, for the other three in particular, and even Baltimore to a certain extent, uh, as we'll get to in here. Yeah, and you know it's the off season. People are talking about who are going to be the teams that go from worst to first. Uh, we'll go ahead and say right here we don't think the Bengals uh, are going to to first, but we are going to start with the Bengals. Uh, and you know we talk about how obviously the expectation for them is not to come out and, and get to the AFC title game or anything like that. But uh, what are the expectations for the Bengals? I think that's the harder question to figure out, and that's why uh, our burning question for the Bengals is how many wins are needed for the 2020 season to be considered a success for the Cincinnati team? Um, I, we were going through it, and I think it's it's one that you can go back and forth on here. And again, we're, we're trying to put this in a realistic you know, setting, we don't think the Bengals are going to come out and win 10 games. Like, I just, that's not realistic, I don't think, given this team. Now, hey, we could be, you know, sleeping on Joe Burrow and they may come out and score 30 points a game. I, they could, but I think their defense could give up 35 to 40, uh, and that could be a problem. But, uh, I mean, I don't know. I guess we have to look at the schedule to maybe decide this. I, I told you that I think maybe six wins. Um, is I don't know if that's necessarily the top part of where they could be, but I think if you look at their schedule, it's a very nice schedule, and we're going to bring yeah. that theme up as we go throughout the AFC North here because you know lots of these teams, if you just look at the strength, the schedule, and all that, they actually set up pretty well. But for the Bengals, I mean, you just you have to understand too that, that you are going to have a rookie quarterback. We we know how good Joe Burrow was in college, but we don't know exactly what he's going to look like in his first season in the NFL. Um, we have a lot of questions probably about the defense and we've said, we think the offense may be a little underrated in terms of the weapons that they have, but you know, as for what's realistic, I I don't think we're talking about this team probably being a 500 or better type of team. Uh, you can still have improvement without getting to that point. Yeah. And I mean, they're most likely going to improve on two wins from a season ago. I feel like that's inevitable just get, you know, based on the, the averages and how I think will kind of turn out. It's difficult to have a bottom four defense and offense yeah. <laughs> in one season. I, I really do think, you know, over time, as much as Joe Burrow, we, we can talk about how at LSU he's obviously playing with so much NFL talent compared to some of the teams he's facing. But he's still, you know, there were questions when they went into matchups. I think about like Florida and some of these teams that had really good defenses last year. And he rose to the occasion every single time, fought through adversity, even you saw in the national title game against Clemson. So I don't want to take too much away from the teammates he had, but you're right in that obviously it's going to be a pretty big adjustment to the speed and everything in the NFL, um, especially with a team like Cincinnati where he doesn't have maybe the best uh, group around him. Obviously, you know, skill position-wise, if Mixon stays healthy, the receiving corps, they add T. Higgins to their group. If A.J. Green comes back uh, full speed, we'll see about that. Obviously, that's a, a big if, but they have some decent weapons. So, I'm more intrigued on the offensive side of the ball to see how the offensive line works out. I thought they might address that sooner in this past draft. Instead, they you know they didn't take anyone until the sixth round for the offensive line. Obviously, Jonah Williams comes back from a season ago, and that'll help quite a bit. But I still have significant questions about how many times Joe Burrow is going to be taking hits. And you know, <laughs> I know he got hit quite a bit and wasn't afraid to go down at LSU, but it's a whole different story here. So yeah, in terms of progress, you know, like you said, the schedule is one part of it. I don't know. How, yeah, it's hard to really expect, what, you know, the name expectations for this defense, which largely from the starters coming back isn't insanely different than last year, and they they weren't good last year. So, what do we expect them to do this season? And so for t- total wins, yeah, if the schedule is tougher, 
maybe you're looking at more like, you know, four and thinking like, okay, that would be okay. But yeah, yeah. I think the, that five to six range might make more sense for in terms of as a kind of barometer to hit um, to make progress as they try to build around Burrow for the future, just in terms of who they're facing. You want to, you know, you're facing a lot of teams as you go up and down the schedule who are also rebuilding, who are also not in the, the most fantastic shape. And you want to be, you know, a step higher than them. I think a season to kind of model this after might be what we saw a year ago with Miami, except they actually have their quarterback of the future, um, unlike Miami a season ago, Cincinnati does and Joe Burrow. But to have that kind of, you know, even if you don't win a lot of games, still having that by the end of the year, you feel like you improve from week one to week 17. You're competing with better teams at that point. I think that is really the ultimate barometer of success for Cincinnati this year. Their schedule is kind of a double-edged sword, I think, because you would expect them to struggle a little bit early getting everyone acclimated and, and all that. But that's the easiest part of their schedule. And then the, mm-hmm. the last part of their schedule, you know, when you figure that they're maybe going to have that chemistry and all that. Well, the last four games, they have to play the Cowboys, the Steelers, they go to Houston to play the Texans, and they play the Ravens. Um, now, again, we don't know where any of those teams could be, but we're probably right now, if we had to say, we think the Cowboys, potentially the Steelers, and certainly the Ravens are all going to be playoff type of teams. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Texans, who knows, and we'll get to them. We talked about the AFC South, but um, so so the back part of that schedule, not exactly easy. The early part of it, uh, they open up, you know, they're going to play the Chargers. They go to the Browns at the Eagles. Those two road games aren't going to be easy, but then you get the Jags. Uh, you know, you've got games in mm-hmm. here where they get the Browns again. They're at the Colts, which, you know, the Colts should be pretty good, but these are still games, as we're saying, where <laughs> the AFC South, right? I mean, it's it, we have no idea week to week probably what to expect from the AFC South. So you feel like that there mm-hmm. are some winnable games in there, but uh, it's interesting. I, I don't know. Like, I mean, we'll we'll have our predictions and all that once we get closer to the season. But I mean, I, the more I think about it, finding those six wins is probably going to be a bit harder <laughs> um, to get to that point. But yeah, I, I don't know. Like, it's I mean, it's possible because and we we didn't bring up like there is a three game stretch there in late November to early December where they're at the Redskins, they play the Giants, and they're at the Dolphins. So. They're not going to win all three of those probably, but you know what? They could win two of those, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. And I, going back to last season, for a team that won only two games, they had a ton of one-score losses, which we always talk about as a usually a sign of a team that's going to bounce back that usually comes and kind of goes averages out to the mean. So, yeah, looking at their whole uh, – uh, throughout all of last season, just counting up really quickly, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven – eight one score losses so i mean that yeah they were in one score games they were definitely not the best team obviously overall not winning a ton of games uh overall to begin with but yeah you have to expect some of that's going to turn over you add in some of this talent on offense maybe things will with the easier schedule as well all of that combined i don't think yeah six might be tough but i don't think five is insanely unrealistic and that's kind of going back into what we saw from Miami a year ago with their yeah five and eleven record so that that kind of range maybe is a little more reasonable. Um, again on defense, I did I mentioned it not changing a lot. I thought adding Trey Wayne's will help quite a bit, but overall it's still a lot of question marks for them as well. A defense that had uh, you know some potential and some really good seasons in the past. Just a lot of guys that are still there um, that are still going to be you know making an impact. But yeah, I think at this point. Uh, you don't really have high expectations for that defense. They're not going to be carrying this team to a, in a you know, a, like you said, getting towards 500. I think it's still very much a whole roster uh, that is a work in progress. Yeah, I remember that one score game against the Seahawks in Week One when we were yes. all aboard. Uh, <laughs> we were all aboard the Bengals train, and then uh, that train started going in another direction. 
but uh, yeah, but uh, besides from the Bengals, which we spend uh, 10 minutes on the Bengals here, um, <laughs> because, hey, they have more questions probably than this next team, which is the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, and our question for the Ravens is, are they built to come back and overcome adversity which was something that was absent in 2019. And that's a good point here, Dylan, because as we know, uh, it seemed like, you know, the Ravens were just rolling right along. Uh, No one could stop them in the regular season. And then, you know, they hit this point against the Titans in the playoffs where once they got down, you know, you felt like that they were going to be able to, I mean, at first you were like, well, surely they're going to find a way to do this. But, but as that game went along, you were like, I just don't know if the Ravens are going to be able to do anything here to be able to win this mm-hmm. game. And, and that was kind of that sense we got closer. And that's when you start looking at them thinking, okay, well, are they a team that's built, you know, to come back from leads like that, even with, you know, Lamar Jackson at quarterback. And I think that brings up another point in that, you look at their offense, uh, it's basically a you know a carousel at running back when they've got 20, mm-hmm. 27 running backs in there right now. Um, you know, Mark Ingram's <laughs> the guy. We know that. But, uh, you know, you look at their wide receivers. Uh, Marquise Brown, we, we think he's a future star. But, but elsewhere, you know, it's they don't have just a, a huge depth at wide receiver. Um, they've got Mark Andrews. It's just – I think they're they're an interesting team because there are going to be a lot of people I think they're going to look at the Ravens and say, well, was that just one of those seasons that happens and everything goes right for you and yet maybe they revert back a little bit this year. Uh, but then at the same time, it's like, can, can people really stop Lamar Jackson? Because for the most part last season, the answer to that was an emphatic no. Yeah, that's the thing. I, yeah, it was funny looking back thinking about our question for the the Ravens before last season was about how teams had, you know, seven to eight weeks of game planning or, you know, games of Lamar Jackson footage to work off of and being able to adapt to that. And of course the Ravens completely flipped that on its head by letting him loose in a way that a lot of, you know, some pundits probably didn't think they were going to or able to do. And yep. uh, I don't think uh, teams are going to build a game plan as easily. Um, and, you know, they, they've seen the tape even by the end of the year. Yes, it worked out for the Titans, but there were a lot of, fourth and shorts, small conversions, just little mistakes here and there uh, that, you know, were a big difference. I think more overall, more for Baltimore, yeah, like you said, they really struggled and didn't really have adversity throughout the season. So hopefully this year, for their sake, it'll be a more, little more battle-tested by the time they get to the playoffs. I don't doubt they're going to be there, even with their, uh, you know, some of their overhaul and their defense. Obviously, we're excited about them getting Patrick Queen um, and what they're going to be able to do with their unit overall. But they were 20th in DVOA against the run last year. And what do teams do when they get the lead? They run the ball a lot. And as you saw, both their uh, outside of the, the Chiefs game, which was early in the season, which was just chaos and everything you would have loved to see in a possible <laughs> AFC title game, which we all anticipated. And the Browns loss and then also the Titans loss, they just they fell behind early. They, they had a few stops on some weird things that they just, you know, mistakes they weren't making throughout the season. And then their defense could not stop the run. Derrick Henry ran through them for a huge day. Obviously, Nick Chubb had an amazing game earlier in the season as well. So that part of the defense, I'm not sure if it's perfectly, you know, addressed. And, you know, for the most part, it's not going to haunt them. And they didn't get also a, a, one of their bigger needs, I thought, was edge rusher going into the draft. They didn't really address that completely. I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens uh, with some of the linebackers they got. But overall, you know, I still question how good that's going to be. They add Clayus Campbell in the trade with Jacksonville. We'll see how he, you know, responds, obviously, getting up there in years. But I still have a few more concerns about their defense you know, if they do fall behind, do they have the type of defense that can get them back and keep them from uh, falling too far behind? It kind of 
that may, makes you think a little bit of the Chiefs defense from the year prior in 2018. Maybe not exactly still a better unit overall than that that defense was, but you know, just being able to stop the run in particular was that Chiefs uh, team's big glaring weakness. They addressed that last year, got better. If Baltimore can do that, I mean, we're, we're really nitpicking on, in terms of this because overall they're still going to win a lot of games probably by a lot of points because of how you know explosive that offense is. I still think their offensive line's in great shape uh, moving forward um, despite some of the departures. But overall, I, I think by the end of the year, we, we are kind of nitpicking. Yes, the receiving corps aren't fantastic, but this machine that they've built that's perfectly you know, built around Lamar Jackson's skill set is why you know if they, if they get hot at the right time, there's very few teams that are going to be able to stop them regardless. Um, they just might have this Achilles heel that we saw exposed last year, and I'm not sure it's been fully addressed in 2020. Yeah, we talked about the Bengals' schedule. The Ravens' schedule is pretty nice. Um, <laughs> that's, uh, that's an easy way to put it. If you just go by on paper, like they – They've got a pretty nice schedule um, because, as I mean, a road games at the Patriots, which we think is going to not be, you know, that's not going to feel like your normal road game in New England. Uh, at least that's the expectation. You know, they have to go to Houston, to Washington, play the Redskins, um, you know, other games like that. It's just it's not as intimidating. And then we also mentioned, you know, the Bengals' back part of their schedule is really tough. Well, the Ravens' last four games are at Cleveland, at home against Jacksonville, at home against the Giants, and at the Bengals. So, um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Lamar Jackson and company cruising into the playoffs uh, for a second straight year because uh, I have a feeling they could build a little momentum uh, with the back part of a schedule uh, like that. Yeah. But uh, we'll see uh, how it goes there. But as we said, not as many questions for the Ravens as we have uh, for the Bengals, but uh, that's okay. And I'll tell you what else is okay, and uh, that is winning money. Uh, and you can do that with our friends at Bet Online, uh, our exclusive partner, uh, there is no shortage of action going on over there at Bet Online uh, because NASCAR is back and Bet Online has hundreds of other games, events, and sports to get in on. You can still bet on the simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24 7, or you can participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, which is a March Madness style NFL simulation tournament that you can enter for free. And Live right now on Bet Online's YouTube channel, you will find an exclusive interview with ex Chicago Bulls stars Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges, as where they are going to discuss uh, the Michael Jordan documentary on what they're calling the final dance. You can find that on the Bet Online YouTube channel right now. Check that out. And you can visit betonline.ag and use the promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, BLUEWIRE, to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. That they have going on. That is Bet Online, your online wagering solution. All right, Dylan, we now move to the Cleveland Browns. And uh, this was a team that, speaking of being all aboard, uh, you know, we were all aboard the Cincinnati <laughs> Bengals after uh, week one last season. And uh, we were also all aboard the Browns uh, heading into the season because we both picked them to make the playoffs. Uh, that did not happen because uh, the Browns. <laughs> really struggled and were not the team we thought they would be. Freddie Kitchens got fired, uh, and now they go into this season, and the question is quite simple. Uh, were the Browns adequately humbled in 2019 <laughs> to actually uh, be able to reach their potential this season? So uh, the Browns were certainly humbled because uh, this was a team that was at any turn last season they were calling out everybody they were mm -hmm. talking about how great they were going to be and uh that didn't happen and uh we we noted before we started recording 
uh, we're recording this on Wednesday, and I think Baker Mayfield had a, a Zoom conference or whatever, and uh, that's one of the things he mentioned. He said, you know, we're we're kind of at that point where we're we're done talking, like we're just going to work and and let it kind of you know speak for itself. And I, and I think that's great. That's a great idea um, in theory, but <laughs> are are they actually going to do that? That's my question, and I wonder with this team because. Uh, we know, I mean, there are different personalities on these teams, as we've said. You know, you've got Odell Beckham Jr., you've got Jarvis Landry, you've got Baker Mayfield. Nothing against any of these guys. They're all tremendous yeah. talents. But uh, they all, too, you know, have different personalities. And I think that's one of the things where, you know, you bring in Kevin Stefanski and you wonder exactly what this is going to look like uh, going into the season because they have the talent. I don't think anyone's really questioning that. Uh, but, you know, they do play in a division that is getting tougher with the Steelers probably going to be better. The Ravens, mm-hmm. we still know, are going to be one of the better teams in the AFC. Uh, so can they actually take that next step forward? That is the big question. Yeah, from, I mean, yeah, narrative-wise in terms of them being able to not make noise, I don't I don't believe in that that's going to necessarily be the case. But, uh, you know, from a more practical sense, I don't know if that matters too much. I do think mm-hmm. uh, one big thing for them, I mean, going back to – a year ago and some of their needs going into the draft. I feel like they addressed all of them, basically adding a linebacker. They, they do so by getting Jacob Phillips, obviously safety. And we didn't think Grant Delpit would fall that far. And then uh, the more glaring one in their left tackle, getting Jedrick Wills in there. Uh, you add Jack Cochran as well. We know the offensive line last year was the big storyline of how they failed and how that really, I mean, Baker Mayfield struggled himself, but you know, it all kind of ties together. And uh, I'm really excited to see what he's able to do with that improved offensive line. I think they've definitely taken some big steps there. And, uh, you know, maybe more so kind of when we talked about last year with Tennessee, when they added Ryan Tannehill, I think having Case Keenum as a backup quarterback is also a nice change of pace. I think that would have benefited them a lot last year and some of the games where Baker struggled and they just didn't really have a, a solid option to uh, take him out for. So to have someone like Keenum who has proven, you know, he's not a top tier quarterback by any means, but probably one of the better and more reliable backups, a great leadership guy that I think will help them a bit, quite a bit on the offensive side of the ball, especially if they have a game where Baker is struggling and he needs to take a few uh, sets out. So all of that is nice. And, but for me, one of the storylines from last year that wasn't probably discussed as much even from myself here in this podcast is, kind of how the defense disappointed. I expected them to be a lot better than they were in uh, 2019. They finished 22nd DVOA, 30th against the run. That's just absolutely abysmal. Uh, we, we talked about some of the additions they made. You know, they weren't great against the pass, and that's partially because they had, especially early in the year, just so, like, you know, their, uh, the injuries at cornerback were ridiculous, just to the point where they were adding guys from the practice squad who were playing in some of those early season games where it was just week after week where Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams are just out. So I'm excited to see that defense be healthier and hopefully – kind of reach its potential. Uh, but, you know, so we say all these things, they, they add all these people, they address a lot of needs. I'm even excited for, you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones as a possible third, fourth receiver there. So they, they have some good things happening, but how does it all come together? And by the end of it, like you're saying, the division's getting tougher. Those two games against the Ravens, I don't know if you're going to be able to get that one win like you did a year ago. The schedule's great. And I, I do think that that was one thing last year when we you know, we looked at their early season schedule and we were like, oh, they're going to have to weather the storm. But they just kept racking up losses. They started winning a few more games. By then, it was too late. This year, obviously, they start with Baltimore. But after that, it's not it's not insanely difficult uh, for a while. So, uh, yeah, I think there's more of a potential for them to, uh, you know, stay kind of in that middle of the pack. I know last year, by the end of it all, they ended up with six, a 6-10 six and 10 record. I don't think 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7 and seven is out of the question by any means, um, even if they don't really play insanely well, just given their schedule and the talent they have. 
And I just don't know. We'll see, I guess, with that extra playoff spot, it might be enough for them to get in. But, I mean, the, the Browns' goals last year, when we were talking about before the season, we thought they might be – I picked them to win the division. I was more just excited about the hype of the idea <laughs> of there being a home playoff game in Cleveland. You picked them as a wild card team, I believe. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm not putting them in that tier of really believing they can do much if they get to the playoffs. But I, I'm, I won't be surprised by any means. If I make it this year, I'm just not going to, at this point, pick them. <laughs> well, someone so. someone's apparently not sold on the Browns, and that's Jadeveon Clowney. Because um, that's a nice segue here, because there was a report on uh, Wednesday. Uh, Adam Schefter was on radio, uh, ESPN Radio in Cleveland, and said that uh, uh, basically that uh, the report was that he got an offer from the Browns, and it's the best one that he's received. However... He told them no. Um, so, I mean, you mentioned, you know, all the different things they could have done on defense. I think adding him would have been significant uh, if they would have had him. Uh, but, you know, it sounds like, at least from that report, uh, that he didn't want to go there. So maybe he's not buying the hype either uh, for the Browns. Uh, I don't know. That That's an interesting though one, though, I guess, when you consider that, that he hasn't signed anywhere else. And as we're saying, I mean, according to this report, uh, it's the best offer he's gotten thus far, but he just decided he didn't want to go play for the Browns. Yeah, I think that would uh, just overall for him. I don't know if it's more about wanting to not play in Cleveland itself, because in terms of football wise, if, I mean, money wise is part of it, but obviously you're going to incorporate where you're going. I mean, there's definitely teams that are better situations, but I, I still think that defense has a lot of potential for being, uh, as I mentioned, 22nd in DVOA last year. Yeah. I think uh, you know they don't necessarily need a pass rusher like like Clowney would be uh, more of you know just how. On top of what they already have, it's, it's not necessarily feeling a need. It's just kind of like adding some extra sauce in there. So, yeah. I, you know, I, I think that would be great for them. And, uh, you know, they could even limit his pitch count. Maybe that's probably part of the concern. There is a lot of talent on that defensive line. So maybe he's worried about not being on the field as much as he'd like. I'm not really sure. Um, but for him, you, you would think that would be the best situation possible, the highest contract and a place that's really going to probably value your health. Um, so, okay. I, it, it, you know, there's a lot of things, and I guess we'll maybe eventually Clowney will talk more about this. Um, obviously, Schefter being yeah. one of the best reporters in the NFL, we can believe what he's saying. But I'd be curious to really know, you know, it, it also that's another issue, though. Are we really going to get an honest uh, yeah. honest take from Clowney <laughs> on why he doesn't want to sign with Cleveland? Because I, I don't think, if, if I were a player, just any player, I don't feel like this is a, a spot you you know, shy away from going to, even if it's just for like a one-year deal. Yeah, probably not at this point. Maybe uh, years ago you would have yeah. uh, immediately <laughs> disqualified the offer. But, yeah, like we're saying, they've they've rebuilt things. And, uh, you know, once again, they have high expectations. We'll see if they can reach them there in Cleveland. And we wrap up uh, the FC North with a look at the Pittsburgh Steelers. And our question for the Steelers is, uh, can the offense pull their weight to make them a factor in the AFC, and I think it's pretty obvious that we were going to go to the offense here because the defense uh, was very good last season. And once again, when you just look at – I mean, you take out the depth charts for defenses in the NFL. I mean, the Steelers' depth chart is pretty outstanding. Like, they're, you yeah. look at what they have on defense, and, and it's fantastic. And so that's not the question here. But the question is, you know, their offense – and this is something else we, we've kind of talked about – I mean, arguably, they've got a lot of questions on offense almost at every single position when you talk about, you know, just the, the top skill positions at all of them because, mm -hmm. you know, it starts at quarterback with Ben Roethlisberger. We know he's coming back from injury. Uh, you know, running back, you've got James Conner there. I've, I'm someone who thinks that maybe James Conner still 
doesn't get enough credit. I know last season was up and down, but I think there's a lot of things that factored into that, not just for him, but for other players, mm-hmm. you know, which leads us to the wide receivers with Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, I still think, you know, there there is a situation there where I know last season was what it was, but, you know, but he's got a lot to prove this season too. And then you look behind him and it's like, <laughs> you know, you've got Deontay Johnson and, and James Washington. It's like, is that enough for the Steelers to be able to, you know, score enough points. And I think that's where there's so many fascinating aspects of this offense. And that's why I think it's pretty mm-hmm. easy that this is the biggest question we have for them. Yeah. Last year going into the season, I, one of my, what are, we have like an episode with like bold predictions. I thought Juju would fit right in as the number one receiver. And I still think he has the potential to, but last year I know injuries are part of it. And, you know, the quarterbacks are throwing to him, but overall he it just looked like he was a little bit, you know, just he did definitely did benefit from being that number two guy to Antonio Brown as a rookie. So we'll see. How, yeah, obviously getting a lot more work with Big Ben. I think that having him as a on the field, uh, you know, consistently will be a big factor. And that was kind of our follow up. Uh, you know, on top of the offense being there and, and actually being able to hold up, that also really really means will Big Ben hold up? Will he be able to give us a full season? There's all the yeah. stuff being made about him throwing right now and working out with his receivers and yes they do have a I mean overall their offensive line is pretty solid and uh that's why it's surprising I guess you know that really does tell you about uh the quality of the quarterback play that they have this great offensive line and still weren't able to run the ball because teams just could sit on the run so much there were games last year where you know Hodges and Rudolph whoever was under center was throwing like 10 passes and it was like the third you know end of the third quarter it was nuts so hopefully just having that, at least we know how to be a little more versatile with what they do with their play calling will make a big difference. And it's really hard to stay that bad on offense. Uh, you know, last year they finished last in DVOA, which is, uh, I was surprised to see that considering some of the abysmal offenses we watched last season. But it does make sense when you think about uh, what we saw from them. But on the flip side, yeah, the defense finished third in DVOA. It's hard to stay that dominant. But when you look at the players they have i mean you know obviously minka fitzpatrick that trade worked out really well they miss out on the draft pick but i don't think they're mad about it with what he brought their their front seven is just ridiculous they it's crazy to look at you know even not a few years ago when they lost to the jaguars in the playoffs and gave up like 48 points or whatever it was uh to see how they've really just improved you know from 2017 to 2019 just two years uh the draft picks they've made in those years since i mean they they really took a huge step forward as a as a unit and I, I do think, you know, maybe not top three, but I think it's reasonable to think they'll be still in that top to six, top seven defense range again in uh, 2020. So for offense, I think, yeah, I I think they can, if, if you know, it really for all the things we can say about this, the skill position players and, uh, you know, maybe the lack of depth at receiver, depending on how, you know, we'll see what James Washington, Deontay Johnson, how uh, Chase Claypool really uh, bring, you know, comes up to speed as a rookie. But after that, I think it really just comes down to Big Ben being at least something close to what he used to be. It doesn't have to be the, the dominant uh, factor that he was in the past. Um, but I think if he can just, you know, stay on the field, at least allow them to you know, throw the ball more than 15 times a game <laughs> with some success. I think that will go a long way to them staying in some games. And I mean, even last year with how bad they were in offense, if they had that seventh playoff team, as we talked about before the podcast, they would have had that seventh seed. So I, yeah. I, I definitely think it's reasonable to think they'll be right in that range. Another weapon I have to mention. I think Eric Ebron will be interesting to see what they're able to do with him as well. Big Ben hasn't really had a ton of great tight ends since Heath Miller, uh, you know, there. Vance McDonald's been solid, but I think having that uh, two tight end set will allow them to have these formations that might look like running plays. Uh, with uh, two tight ends on the field and being able to pass off of that. Another factor that will make 
in my opinion, there's no. I just doubt they're going to be uh, 32nd in offense again. Can they get to that 16 to 20th range? I think that's where they they you know, have a chance to win like 10 games at that point. Yeah, for their first six games are at home, and you know one of those road games is at the Giants to start the season, which is certainly very winnable. And you know you got the Titans in there too, so a uh, really nice you know start to the season. I think based on their schedule, getting those games mm-hmm. at home. Uh, and then, you know, you still get the games against teams like the Jags. You get the Bengals twice. Uh, you get the Redskins, you know, games like that. So, and yeah, I mean, I think there's an opportunity for them to win games. But I, that also ties another aspect, too. You know, we've talked a lot about these schedules. And it's also mm-hmm. important to note that we're talking about this, assuming that, you know, the home team is going <laughs> to have an advantage in these yes. games. Uh, but, you know, that's where it's because we're so used to talking about it that way. But it's like beyond that right like well how do we even judge who the teams are that are going to be the favorites because in the nfl you know there's a lot there's a lot of great talent in the nfl even on bad teams and so uh mm-hmm. you know what's the, the the differentiate you know some of these teams if there is no home field advantage you're not having to play on the road uh that type of stuff and we know it's it's maybe somewhat different in nfl and college uh, when it comes to, mm-hmm. to that but at the same time uh, that makes it a lot more interesting i guess when it comes to, to thinking about it in that regard for yeah. these teams so yeah, I think, I mean, in terms of, I think the advantage, depending on the situation, like you're saying, we'll see if there's fans. But even if it's like a limited amount of fans, it's going to be dramatically different experience than what we're used to. I think the, the advantage for home fields will be less about that and more about just, you know, depending on where we are uh, with, you know, what phase of the yeah. uh, coming out of the quarantine and all that stuff. Like just the travel and having to go out of your comfort zone, being in a place where you're already, you know, now taking all these precautions in a hotel or whatever the situation is and all the, those kind of factors and things that are going to be in your mind outside of football. I think that might be the more of the factor, uh, you know, leading up to the game. Once you're on the field, maybe the home field advantage won't be this, uh, as big. But just the, the lead up in the process of just getting to that game and that at that stadium and that city, that might be the, the harder thing for visiting teams. But I guess we'll, you know, we were, we got a, we got some time. Things are already <laughs> changing pretty rapidly. So by then it might be a lot different. Yep, that is true. But uh, we'll see how it plays out, uh, not just for the team's in the AFC North, but uh, for all the teams in the NFL. But that will wrap up our burning questions for the teams in the AFC North. And uh, be sure to check out the ones we've already done, and we'll have more of these on the way. But, uh, Dylan, for everything else, uh, we've got a lot of great stuff going on over Clutch Points as we start to prepare for the season. Even though we have no idea what it's going to look like, uh, we're still <laughs> we're still looking ahead. Yeah, plenty of updates still to come, I'm sure, in the NFL, more so uh, for baseball and NBA as they try to come back. Obviously, the NHL already has a plan for whatever the date is. But yeah, any of that, all that content you can find on uh, in clutchpoints.com in the NFL section. Uh, you click on NFL right at the top of the site, and they'll bring you to all of our NFL content. You can also find it in the Clutch Points app. We're get, getting some updates to the app in terms of uh, some of the things that are in the stream and the articles and stuff. But you can still, uh, just like it was before, you can still click on, you know, have your favorite teams select in the app and sort for all of our content based on those teams, just a little more of a social element being added there. Um, so yeah, definitely keep going. We're, we're still going to keep chugging away here. And as uh, you know, even though overall in this part of the year, there's less NFL news, but still a lot of things we can talk about. And uh, because of what the, what happened with the pandemic, there are, yeah, we still have this clowny free agency to talk about months after we thought uh, it would have been wrapped up. Yep, and we have, listen, we, we're going to have to talk about some fantasy football and how some of these elements uh, could impact uh, our fantasy football seasons, too. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll talk about that as we move along here as well. But check all that stuff out at Clutch Points. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, head over to any podcast app you use, just search for it on there. And uh, thanks, as always, to the fine folks at Blue Wire and Ben Online for all that they do 
And uh, thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next time here on the Establish the Past podcast. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. reported three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.